0: Surreal Noir by Dime Store Films Part 5 Blindly fumbling through the forking paths of the caves, Guy faces the only sign of life in the darkness. A thin veil of canvas meant to hide whatever is going on behind it flickers with a gold light. Guy feels like he's on the wrong end of a Greek myth but knows the only way out is through. He ducks in and seeks cover to observe whatever awaits. He can hear people working, digging in and around a large pit. It resembles the one his former guide, the late Bob, took a swan dive into. Guy observes the workers from a safe distance. Their identities slowly come into focus. Peppered into the crew, he notices some of the posse that strung him up. Big Cheese, Taffy, Elmer... And his old buddy, Arnold Dunn. What are you gonna do when we hit it?
1: Oh shit, man, I can't even imagine.
0: <laughs> gonna makes me a brand new man. I think being any kind of man would be an upgrade for you. <laughs> <laughs> the worksite is littered with lanterns and fire pits, a makeshift system of pulleys looms over the giant hole, lifting buckets of dirt out and dumping them into a penned-off area, forming an enormous pile. Whoever drew the short straw is lowered into the pit to assist with the digging, while others maintain the surface work. A long series of pipes emerges from the center of the chasm, raising up into the air on braces and leading out to some sort of basin. The whole system is cobbled together like the rest of the town. But there's a purpose here, an aim. And when bad people take aim, Guy usually finds himself in the crosshairs.
1: Mister's gonna want to taste once she gets wind of this.
2: Then we make sure she don't get wind of this. Yeah, well this ain't exactly a town full of hush mouths. Just get back to work.
0: Taffy gets lowered into the pit, Elmer and Big Cheese controlling her descent from up top. Arnold makes his way to the back of the dirt corral. He rakes and shovels, redistributing the weight of everything they've pulled from the hole. A smile creeps across his face as he roots through the newest clumps of dirt. They've reached a new layer, their efforts bearing fruit. With the boys spread out and occupied, Guy moves silently and swiftly, (coughs) scooping up a shovel from the ground and closing the distance between him and Arnold. (coughs) Arnold Dunn collapses forward into the dirt pile. The buckets continue their routine, burying him under a fresh layer. Big Cheese and Elmer look towards the source of the wallop. The fuck you doing over there? Guy charges Elmer and Big Cheese, the shovel dragging behind him. Big Cheese's attention shifts the guy, caught off guard by this intruder. Son of a
2: bitch! Take the line!
0: Elmer tightens his grip on the rope as Big Cheese drops it and stomps toward Guy. As the rope changes hands, it wobbles taffy in the pit below.
1: What's going on up there? I'm shaking like a cat shitting peach seats down here, man!
0: Big Cheese cocks back and throws a freight train of a punch. Guy's got speed on him though and blocks it with the business end of his shovel. Cheese recoils in pain while Guy seizes the moment and cracks on the face. Big Cheese falters from the blow and takes Guy's shoulder to the chest. Cheese staggers back, losing his footing and tumbles into the pit sailing past Daffy.
1: Was that Cheese? Hey!
0: Daffy plummets suddenly as Elmer, temporarily frozen by the need to think quickly lets the line race through his hands. Catching himself, he jerks it to a stop and ties it off in a nearby brace, as Taffy is yanked to a stop below. She ricochets off the pit's wall like a shutter in a storm. The rest of the crew, working around the hole, join the fight, finally putting together the ambush. Guy takes a punch from Elmer and stumbles, the mob rushing it. A brawl ensues, lit only by the fire's glow. On the cave's wall, shadows crash against each other like rams jockeying for dominance. Guy's holding his own, swinging the shovel like a folk hero, but still taking his licks. Plenty of them, too. More workers enter the fray, clawing their way out of the hole like insects, just as many wind up toppling back in. Hold him! As the dust settles, Guy's beat bloody, but at least he's vertical. He leers down the hole for the first time. A few of the defeated writhe in pain at the bottom. Others are trying to make their way up to return the favor. Daffy, just a few feet from the top, now desperately clings to the wall. Her eyes meet Guy's. Uh,
1: Why'd you even bother? This was ours! You ain't got a dog in this fight!
0: Guy wobbles there, considering this. He drags himself and the shovel out of view leaving Taffy with few options for salvation. Guy's shovel splits the wooden levee, corralling the pile of discarded dirt. With nothing fighting against it, the dirt rushes out, filling the pit, the tidal wave pulling Taffy down with it. All their work, the eternity spent digging to escape eternity, crumbling on top of it, pulleys and pipes shuddering and collapsing in the rain of wooden iron. Guy drops the shovel and makes for the exit, grabbing a lantern for the trip out. His legs are rubber, his fists are ground chuck. His job is done here. Hobbling for what seems like a slice of forever, he finally lands at his base camp. Guy drops to his knees and clumsily fiddles with the radio until he gets a signal. You there?
3: What? It's done
0: guy drops the receiver and passes out, his face crashing into the ground as the company growls questions that go unanswered. Is that right?
2: I'll let you know when I've got confirmation, and we'll see about getting you out. If, and I mean if, you didn't fuck this up. Your record is looking weak though.
0: Under the dense night sky, The red light of the radio flashes, lighting up Guy's comatose face, a nagging alarm trying to pry him from the void he's in. His eyes flutter, straining to open. He realizes where he is, what he did, where he's going, his brain taking inventory after a hard reset. In his coma, the rot went to work on him. It grows in his battle wounds like caustic moss. The pain will only intensify as the clock ticks, and that's exactly what the rot wants. Time to spread. Guy flips his switch on the radio and brings the mic to his mouth. He labors to speak.
2: Where the fuck have you
3: been? Got into a scrape and put me on my back. But it's done. They were digging their way out and I shut it down. Now get me the fuck out of here. Don't ever treat
2: this like you have one over me. Ever! You didn't do shit! We lost another one while you were dicking around. Out. How is your job? Stopping it is your job. Obviously, it wasn't from this fucking hole on the
3: ground. No wait. Figure out what they're hiding and stop it. Now, that's what I did. Now, that has to be enough for a ticket out, and it has to be worth... Shut something. the
2: fuck up! This was a gift I was giving you. You did nothing, so you get nothing. Now, get up and try harder. Take another beating. Do something right. That'll be a nice
3: change for you. You want someone else to come do the job? Hmm then send someone else. Leave me here to rot with the rest of them, you know what? The second I get a whiff of your hired gun, though, I'm gonna be the wall they run into. That'll be what keeps me kicking. You
2: wanna get cute? Here's one for you. If the next time I hear from you isn't to tell me you fixed this, not that you think it's fixed, you know it's fixed. You will never hear my voice again, and I know that sounds real tempting, but that should scare the shit out of you because I'm not sending anyone else. No one is coming.
0: Guy knows there's no talking his way out of this and the time to outthink it has passed. He's been served a plate of shit and told to go back for seconds. He boils with impotent rage, and that's enough to get him upright. Guy buries the radio and storms off with a shovel in hand. Guy charges through the front door of the Mister's mansion. The familiar doorman tries to stop this intrusion. Guy replies with a fist to his face. In the commotion, the Jeffries shriek and startle. A few follow Guy up the stairs to wall off their master. But he's got too far a lead on him, and an angry momentum behind him. He bursts into her office. The Mister hardly reacts, standing by a window in the back of her parlor cooler than a breeze. The Jeffreys swarm around Guy, awaiting the mister's order.
1: Look at this. If I didn't know any better, I'd say you were trying to impress me.
0: She hobbles back to her wheelchair, inching her way across the room on crutches, extra appendages springing from her forearms. When she gets planted, Jeffrey wheels her to the desk where Guy stands, fuming. We had a deal, and you said. me on
1: whoa, 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 What we had was a conversation.
3: You used me. I-
1: of course I used you. Why are you so mad? I thought you'd be used to it by now. You knew full and well the risk you were taking. Be a man and accept that those risks came to fruition.
3: All I got to do is make one call, and this place is erased. You really want to tough talk me now? Hmm. Now you think on it a minute before you open your trap again. What were you
1: going to tell him? You don't even know what you did. You're as dumb, deaf, and as blind as you were when you first came to me. So what? You gonna tell them I made those men to suffer more miserable? (laughs) Shit, they'll probably put me on the payroll.
3: Well, then why were they digging?
1: They were hunting for water. From all the buzz, they were maybe about to hit it. Honestly, I have no idea how close they were, but I didn't care for how hopeful they were becoming. Content people. Hopeful people. They don't need me. And I need to be needed.
3: So this is all just a little show to what? Stoke your ego? All they got is time. You don't think they're just gonna start it up again?
1: Oh no, I know they'll start it up again. But what they can't get back is that blind hope. What you restored is that creeping sense of futility that they worked so hard
3: to shake. You know, they deserve every bit of what they've got coming, okay? But you've wasted my time, and you almost got me buried. Now that don't sit right. You knew what I was here to do, okay? I offered you a way out, and you closed that door for yourself. (laughs) All five cents is taking this in?
1: Get out. I don't want to get out. I was out. I cheated them all. Got to live a second life up top. Even got to break a man of faith while I did it. And you know what? I ended up right back here. Turns out I just like being a bad girl. I'd rather do that here. No consequences. See, you, you got it all wrong. This is paradise. This is home.
0: Guy stands dumbfounded. He's out of cards to play, and he's got a shitty poker face. He's just too tired.
1: Look at this. Jeffrey, come.
0: A Jeffrey scampers over to the mister's desk. She picks up a knife and slashes it across his stomach. Blood <laughs> spills as he tries to suppress his screams. <laughs>
1: Oh, let it out, baby. You know I love (laughs) it.
0: The mister closes her eyes and enjoys the symphony. When she's satisfied, she puts an end to it.
1: Now, sweetie, thank you for showing Mr. Guy how good you are to me. Take a match, baby. Take two. We'll get you all cleaned up. Thank you, Mama.
0: She kisses his stomach softly, then licks a bit of the blood up. She turns her attention to Guy, dabbing the blood off her face like a genteel southern belle.
1: (laughs) They really picked the wrong man for the job, didn't they, sweetie? Let's talk about you. Why are you here? You don't seem like you got what it takes to be bad, but you don't seem like you got what it takes to be good, neither. You couldn't do the crime, but You wouldn't stop it. You're just in the middle. And in the middle bores me.
0: Past the bruised muscles, broken blood vessels, and the creeping vines of the rot. The only reaction on Guy's face is the glimmer of shame behind his eyes.
1: Oh, I love it when I figure people out. Let's see how you fare in town. Something tells me they'll be able to keep you occupied for a long while. And here.
0: She tosses Guy a book of matches.
1: These should buy you some favor. Bar them, snort them, shit. Make some choices. You're on your own now, honey. Just think of this as a little welcome to the neighborhood gift. Hell, I'm not some monster after all. Over.
0: The Mister waves him out with her gnarled claw. The Jeffries snap to attention and drag Guy out. He struggles at first, but he's been beat, and beat again. All he can do is grit his teeth, and will hate at her before he's tossed into the street. In a fog of defeat and dried blood, Guy wanders out into the wild between the mister's turf and his camp. The rot in his battle wounds has begun its feast, forming the advanced decay he saw in some of the hangers back in the tree. Each new layer is a new level of pain. His only safe haven is anything but safe now and he can't risk anyone else tailing him back to base camp and finding the radio. Reluctantly, Guy heads toward town, trying his best to stick to the shadows. Surprising even himself, Guy winds up at the door of the junkie's flophouse. He pounds on the door, checking over his shoulder the whole time. The door opens to reveal a familiar face, but not necessarily a friendly one. Vaughn. The matchhead Guy slapped around outside the cornfield stands in the doorway. Well, ain't this fucking something. Vaughn starts to close the door on him. Guy jams his boot in its path. I need a place to stay. Vaughn stares back, unimpressed with Guy's newfound predicament. I need a place to stay, please. When you put it like that... Sure. Come on in. Piss on the carpet. Sleep in my bed. Can I get you anything?
3: A foot rub? I, I get it. Alright, I get it. I don't care what you get, I care what you got. What do you got from me? And it better be
0: real good too, cause I'm still burning real bad. Guy pulls out the matchbook and Vaughn snatches it, continuing to stare down Guy as if there was no exchange at all. That's all I got. Gimme a hand. Guy doesn't budge, unwilling to give a paw to this lunatic. Vaughn with surprising quickness lashes out with a homemade blade cutting Guy across the cheek. You should have given me a hand. We even Vaughn spits in his palm, rubs it along the grimy door jam, and smears the muck into Guy's fresh gash. Now we just keep walking till you find a room that ain't mine. Next to mine. Or near mine. Take any mind that's about mind out of your vocabulary. Guy painfully wanders through the house, cradling both the wound on his face and his bruised ribs from the brawl. He's running out of hands, (coughs) though. Junkies litter the floor and move about the house like the undead. There's an accumulated neglect to the place. Everything in the house used to be something else. The furniture, the occupants, Guy passes room after room before coming to an empty one with a bit of floor space he can claim. He leans his back to the wall and slides down to the floor, every battered, joint and torn muscle letting out a sigh. He sits and tries to outthink the rot, slowly taking its toll. One of the dope hounds enters the room, following some invisible guide. He stares at the wall and paces back and forth mumbling to himself, connecting unseen dots. Vaughn saunders past the room on a fresh high, thanks to Guy's forced generosity. He doubles back and spies Guy through the doorway. He looks like a child that's been scolded and sent to his room. Vaughn sighs. In a gesture that seems uncharacteristically kind, Vaughn flicks Guy a single match from the book. He gestures to the side of Guy's face. I'll take some of the sting out of that. Vaughn continues his Sunday stroll and leaves Guy to figure out the rest. Guy picks the match up from the ground, running it through his fingers. He needs the relief, but doesn't know if this is a line he wants to cross. Guy strikes the match on his boot and gets lost in the flame burning toward his fingers. In a moment that hangs between an eternity and a millisecond, Guy snorts the flame off the match head. He recoils, gripping the bridge of his nose and slamming his eyelids shut like storm doors. When he opens them, he scans his surroundings, looking for signs of change. He gingerly runs his fingers along the bloody signature Vaughn left on his cheek. It still screams in pain, no relief in sight. And then the bloom erupts around him. He finally sees the world through the eyes of the other addicts, matchheads, Jeffries, anyone inhaling the flame. The hues and colors that were muted amongst the drab earth-toned environment are now rich and bright, almost neon. Guy's pupils dilate as he takes it all in. His hand pulls away from the wound on his face, the numbing effect kicking in. The bloom swells as he enters a new peak. Patterns emerge on the surface of the walls and floor. They pulse with a current of colors, a bioluminescent glow, veins pumping blood from the core of hell. This forgotten little outpost of damnation is built from leftovers of everywhere else. The glowing lines are welds holding hell's foundation together like a skin graft. The stitches of light zig and zag and intersect into what could be shapes or symbols if you stare at them long enough like junkies are apt to. Guy finally understands what they're all clinging to, but doesn't know what it all means yet. He gets up and begins to do some examining of his own. Guy wanders down the hallway, taking in all the new sights and patterns. He's high, but he's trying his hardest to stay focused. He walks over the veins on the floor like a man on a tightrope, following them along the hallway, down the stairs to the front door. Pushing it open, the outside world swells and pulses. Guy gazes out, temporarily blinded by the bright light from the foundation seams. Feeling his hand away from his eyes, he squints and notices a particularly strong surge coming from the preacher's chapel in the distance. The chapel bell rings out. The light pulses in rhythm and the junkies begin to file out the door in mass, drawn to the thumping gospel. He ducks into line, thankful for the cover the crowd provides. Guy swaps reason for instinct, and with a newfound weightlessness, lets his body drift along the river of junkies, peacefully awaiting a new shore.
4: an original production of Dime Store Films, written and directed by Christian Grinelli and Hunter Williams, narrated by Stan Adams, performed by Mike Schminke, Brittany Baker, John Mossman, Travis Delgado, Jim Solturos, Christopher Meister, Brian Noonan, Matt Young, Adria Dawn, Marshall Crawford, Anthony Dobrowalski, and Sam Beck. Original score composed by Abby Raja Engineered by Brian Bachman. Dialogue and narration engineered by Nick Sherman. Recorded at Decade Music Studio in Chicago. Sound design, mix, and additional music by Matt Wenzel. Script supervision by Jake Weissman. Casting by Sarah Clark. You can find us on the internet at nobetterlot.com and dimestorefilms.com and on social media at dimestorefilms.